I'm Pierre Gariotti. How are we? <laughs> I didn't do the head turn. <laughs> oh, sorry. Damn it. I missed the cue already. Every sports fan has an opinion. Well, these are ours. Ours. Welcome to Brock and Pep's Unsportsmanlike Convo. And here are your hosts, Brock Fleming and Pep Cariotti. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Unsportsmanlike Convo. I'm your host, Brock Fleming. And with me is my co-host. I'm Pierre Gariotti. How are we? <laughs> I didn't do the head turn. <laughs> oh, sorry. Damn it. I missed the cue already. Yeah, it was going to be a big, long intro. <laughs> P-Dog! No. And... <laughs> so for our listeners, Brock and I just... I, we just coordinated a cue. We're recording remote, so it means I'm in my apartment and Brock's at his house. And so I see him on my iPad. He sees me through his PC. And uh, in order to not interrupt each other, we've come up with a, I don't know, like a head, just a head turn as a, as a personal cue to know that you're, you're finished your thought. Because I think lately I've been interrupting Brock a lot because I get so excited about his, a thought in my head. And <laughs> so that's what that was uh, referring to. Um, and also and a reference to, we're going to, I just missed it again. <laughs> we, it's obviously not going to work if it's not working. With the, <laughs> all right. The efforts, oh. this is going to be a quick show today. We are getting yes. into the 30 minute to 45 minute segments. That's it. Get you guys in and out, shortening down our episodes uh, for the listener. What's the term? Micro podcasting i think microcast microcast i don't know I the I, whole yeah. uh genre of podcasting uh is moving towards some shorter episodes for uh with the bluetooth uh, airpods and air uh, earphones and stuff like that people can listen when they're in the grocery store when they're shopping when they're walking down the street whatever and generally those are shorter periods of time so more people enjoy a uh, a more brief episode so that's what we're going to be working on. And we've and had you know that what? feedback. Our, our mem- <laughs> Brock just cued me there. Our <laughs> members, our, uh, anyone who listens to our podcast, and the, uh, including our Facebook and Instagram page, you've spoken about this. You've mentioned that while you enjoy the, 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 the banter and you know, there's a lot to talk about in the world of sports, whether it's local or, or, or North American or global. Uh, it's just no, not many of us, especially if you have kids, have an hour and a half. That's right. So we get it. We're going to try and dumb it down. Sometimes, sometimes we might have a guest that just has for us, we just have to be an hour and a half. But what, what we'll try to do is, is uh, for shows like today, where there's a lot to talk about, but there's nothing pressing per se, um, we will we'll keep it, you know, try to 30, 30 to 40 minutes and try to keep your, uh, keep your ear happy. Yeah, we'll split them up and we'll... Uh, anyway... Uh, yeah. I think we're already at half hour. So great show. Yeah. We'll see you guys <laughs> next time. Okay, let's get started. Uh, hey. This is Headlines. <laughs> we haven't had that one in a while. We haven't done Headlines in a while. And there's uh, our world of Headlines today is primarily an Ottawa sports focus. And there's, there's some interesting reports going out today, specifically about Lansdowne Park, the Ottawa Sports and Entertainment Group, uh, the three, three or four guys who run that group. 
they're they're particularly wealthy, but I don't think they banked on the losses that they're incurring currently. I don't think the city was uh, in full compliance in terms of their disclosure of what Lansdowne actually needed in terms of repair. Uh, it's some of the reports, some of the numbers are staggering. When this is all said and done, OSEG, they're going to be in a hundred mil in the hole out of their own pocket. The city has taken on none of the debt. And from what I understand, the North side stands and the civic center are in dire need of repair, full replacement. And OSEG thought they'll be able to replace it piece by piece year by year. So they don't have to pump in, 80 million off the top right away. But now, apparently, after a reassessment or reevaluation of the building, the north side has to be replaced entirely and soon. That goes with the Civic Center. I guess the Civic Center is right on top of it, correct? That's right. Yeah, the the north side stands uh, make up part of the Civic Center. And so So, you can't have one without the other. So the focus, I guess, when they built Lansdowne was the, was obviously the south side is all brand new. And the north side, I guess, the structure just, was was good enough to start business but it's it's troubling and you know ottawa is what uh, 1.5 million in terms of attendance uh, population sorry yeah not attendance, attendance. the red blacks not, not just... attendance population yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah around that yeah million million and a half i think so now with the you know this, what yeah. does a sky dome seat i don't know 60,000 the, the sky dome alone can can house half of ottawa's population give or take so uh, Ottawa no, no, is sorry. notoriously. Let's let's make sure your math is correct. A million and a half people. Oh, damn yeah, it. <laughs> sixty thousand. So, no. Anyway, we'll. Uh, Can you edit that part? <laughs> is that something? Ah, yeah, damn it. it's it's. You know what I mean? Ah, it's natural. It's a flow. It was just eight. Hey, one zero. Me. It's not a big deal. That's on me. Anyway, continue. the point being, we we don't have the population for Ottawa. Uh, it's it's not, it's not sports conducive. Like we can't. Can you can you support a, a hockey team where the where the ice rink is thirty kilometers from downtown? Where now you can't draw anybody from the Utaway. It's that's a long commute for somebody who lives in Buckingham to go and watch the Senators. It isn't as much of a commute to go to Lansdowne if you want to watch the Red Blacks if you're living in Buckingham. So the city needs to figure out what they want to do with Ottawa now. A positive note in terms of the Red Blacks is that even though they were abysmal this year, and they were, their record was terrible, and they didn't really have the talent to compete, they still drew 20,000 out of a possible 22 on average. That's pretty good. Yeah, that's Yet very Yet they're good. still hemorrhaging money. Well, those ticket sales and the prices were dropped a bit to encourage people being at the uh, games. But from a, an OSEG point of view... Uh, I don't know if Oseg owns all of the shops and, and real estate around Lansdowne now as well, because they're basically they're pot committed for in terms of putting that money into fixing up the north side and the civic center. You have a very nice venue for sports and entertainment in a, a very core area of Ottawa. So they need to put that in. If you don't put that in and now they lose half the stadium or the rink doesn't uh, uh, hold up and, and the 67s have to move, then all that other money you've put in is now gone because you can't host things there. But they've done a pretty good job. I My understanding was the same. I thought that 
I, I thought it was surprising that the north side wasn't changed as much as the south side because I remember the north side wasn't in great shape. So I thought they had already fixed it to a satisfactory level that allowed them to keep it as it is. But the north side is dumpy, really, like compared to the yeah. south side. There's no appeal to being on the north side. When you go to the washrooms, like you're, it's all concrete. You're kind of in behind the stadium. You don't, anyway, it's, it's not appealing to be on the north side. So, um, you know, that being uh, fixed up and, and renovated would be phenomenal. But I thought they'd already kind of at least were able to salvage uh, its structure and uh, and use it for a few more years before they got to replace it. But at this yeah, point, when I read the report, to. I was surprised. Yeah. Uh, anyway, it's it's a great place though. So again, you put that money in. Eventually, hopefully, the money's made back. I mean, I don't think the uh, the twenty dollar tickets is going to pay back a hundred million dollars anytime soon. But um, it is a it's a it's a location to go and. Um, for an entertainment purpose that Ottawa doesn't have anywhere else. I agree. And, you know, the, uh, I think when you think about the, the, one of the reports that came out is that even if the Red Blacks got full attendance, even if the 67s got full attendance, and even if the Blackjacks get, get full attendance, they only make up 20% of, of what they need to uh, recoup uh, annually, OSEG. So, they're really relying on entertainment, concerts, uh, uh, trade shows. I don't, I don't know what goes through the, the Civic Center, what goes through there, but they're relying on some of the external stuff to make back some of that money. So sports, it's not all about sports. It, it, you know, and according to the numbers, 20 to 25% maximum. If that's assuming everybody showed up to every single game, you know, that's not a huge number. So you know, hopefully they figure it out. I, I, I do hope success for every sports team in Ottawa, even if I don't root for them necessarily, I, it's, it's a great way to spend a night, uh, an evening, a day. And on my next topic, looks like the Ottawa baseball program won't be starting back until 2021. And when they do come back, they, they're still looking for a league. They're not guaranteed to play in the Frontier League. Now, the Can-Am League is what they played in before. It's an East Coast League. Those six teams got moved to the Frontier League, except Ottawa. So five teams amalgamated with the Frontier League. Again, the Frontier League is predominantly East Coast teams. Uh, in 2021, that summer, so next year, next this summer, there's no baseball in Ottawa. I don't know how okay. that affects the long-term viability of another team coming in, whether it's good, they're going to be called the champions. You got to rebrand, you got to remarket. I don't know if OSCG are going to put money into the building. It's a nice building, but it's a little outdated. Um, what are your thoughts on and it, first of all, have you gone to, to champions games? Second of all, what do you think about the building itself and baseball in Ottawa, where that where that stadium's located? Okay, so based on previous episodes, you know, I did not go at all this year. Um, I have played in that stadium with the NCBL, and the the field itself is great. It's always exciting when you play in in a stadium type. Um, atmosphere or not even atmosphere because it's not that many people there but you're in a stadium so that just adds to some of it um the location is easy on and off from the highway but again there's there's the issue of there's nothing around it so you drive to the the stadium there's a hotel next to it or a convention center or whatever but there's no there's no real restaurants walking distance there's no you can't make it a night just like Lansdowne and we'll touch on this because you want to talk about uh, you know, we talk about the Sens later on, and this will be the same, my same argument. But I think 
from a, a sports entertainment standpoint, um, you know, you, you really think of the bigger markets, the Torontos, the Montreals, the, you go down to the States, like the Nashvilles, the, the Philadelphias, you know, that have the three major stadiums all in the same area. Pittsburgh, same idea, restaurants around. You go down to that downtown core or the, the sports core of these cities, and technically you can go down 8 in the morning and you're never stuck for something to do. Whether you're eating breakfast, eating lunch, whether you're tailgating, whether you're shopping, whether you're seeing one sports uh, team in the morning and then another one that plays at nighttime, you can go down there and be entertained for a full, full day. In Ottawa, you can't. You go Anyway, you go to the baseball game, It's the game starts at 7.05, I'll be there at 7 o'clock, grab my beer and my hot dog and get to my seat, watch a game, and then wait 20 minutes to get out of the parking lot. Same thing with the Sens. You drive down, you know, half hour before game time just to try to avoid some of the traffic. And you, you know, if the game's not entertaining or if it's a blowout or whatever it is, you're leaving 20 minutes early so you can avoid the hour wait of traffic. There's just nothing else to do around there other than those games. I think that's the issue. All right. I can't add any more to what you just said. That's that's exactly it. You know, they used to there was a casual spore in the baseball stadium. I think it was a casual spore. I thought that was a good idea. You know, you get there early, you eat, and then you could watch a game. Uh, that didn't that didn't last very long. They turned it into a gift shop. The gift shop itself is very minimal. Like it's a few hats and a couple of shirts. They really just didn't. They didn't capitalize on on the opportunities within the building itself because it, it's it's actually every year it's ranked number one. I don't even think it's close in terms of uh, in terms of the field conditions. Uh, so it's and and the stadium itself. It seats six thousand or seven thousand or whatever it is. It's a nice stadium. Yeah, it's, but for you're, what you're, it is, it you're, is. You're, you're exactly right. There's nothing. There's nothing. It's almost worse than 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 uh, uh, Corel Center or whatever it's called now, Canadian Tire Center. It's almost worse because there literally is nothing. There's a there's an office building, a Canadian Tire, and the RCMP, <laughs> or like it's nothing, yeah. and the hotel. So when you go to Corel Center, at the very least, a Corel Center. What? How old am I? You're old. At least you didn't say wow. Palladium. <laughs> Palladium. Yeah, wasn't that the first name? Yes, it was. But, you know, at least there's uh, Crazy Horse and there's stuff that's within a, a, a kilometer. You can kind of drive. You know, there's the Darcy McGee's. But you're absolutely right. You nailed it on the head. So, And, you know, I, really there's not much to discuss in terms of the Sens. Will they relocate is my, was my question because, you know, they are, lo- they are losing money as well. And that's a different owner, different ownership group, but they're losing money. Yeah, and I, I'd argue that it's not imperative that they move because – the thing with hockey, you know, it's hockey is separate from all the other sports. So if they're winning, people will go to see them play. And uh, it doesn't matter where they are. People will drive out there. I know people complain and say, oh, you lose the Udaway crowd. You lose some of that. That's fine. They're still going to sell out if they're winning. And therefore, from a business standpoint, that's fine. They're not bringing any more money into the restaurants that are associated because there isn't anything there. So you go to the game, that's it. So they, they've already limited as to how much money and how many people they can profit off of by the attendance that they can do within the stadium. But if the Sens are winning, people will show up. But 
that's uh, a select few people who will go to those games. Like you said, you lose out on the, you know, the uh, Orleans, the Uruguay, the the outskirts that have to drive an hour to get to these uh, locations. But the other thing too is you're not making Ottawa a destination for a sports fan to say, you know what, I'm going to go, I'm, I'm going up to Ottawa, I'm going to spend a weekend so I can catch the Sens game. I'll go to... Uh, you know, these restaurants around the corner, there's a nightlife right down the street. I just got to go to the hotel. I don't have to worry about Ubers and taxis and all this kind of stuff. It's not a destination unless you move it. But from a, a Sens standpoint, they'll make money if they're winning. But anyway, that's my, my take. Ah, wow. That's a, that's a good take, my man. And I agree. I am going to the Sens game on uh, tomorrow. It's a one, one o'clock puck drop. So I'm always uh, nice. more appealed by the early day, early puck drops. I don't know why it is. You feel like you could, uh, you still got the rest of the day, but you know, I, I was thinking about what to do before or what to do after and nothing. I'm literally going to probably just like get out of Canada. So right. you nailed it. You nailed it. Um, why don't we take a quick break, Brock? And when we come back, we're going to talk a little Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson, flashy. One, two, three, four, five, six, two, eight. And we're back. And uh, good, good segment of headlines there. First, uh, I f- did want to mention on May 14th is when the Ottawa Blackjacks will play their first home game. They start their regular season on May 7th, uh, but May 14th is the first home game. So, Come on out, support your Blackjacks. There's no baseball this summer, so you got no excuse. It's going to be a fun league. Mike Morreale runs the runs the league. Uh, there's seven teams. There's they're interesting names. There's one, there's one team I think they're called the Honey Badgers. <laughs> there's some really cool names. It should be very interesting. And again, large Canadian content in in this basketball league. Seventy percent of each team is Canadian, so I'm looking forward to watching it. Uh, Brock, speaking of looking forward to watching, I, uh, did you catch any of the Thursday night game last night? Uh. Let's just put it that way. I'm in semifinals of the fantasy football league that I play in. (laughs) And I not only sat, but I released Jamison Crowder because I'm like, he's playing the Baltimore Ravens. Shitty matchup. I'm not going to play him next week either. And he goes off for 27 points. I don't even know how the Jets put these points up on the the Ravens. (laughs) But I know we're leading towards a Lamar Jackson analysis. And he is... Very electrifying. I don't think in all my years of watching football, and this includes Michael Vick, who we're going to a little bit later. In all my years of watching football, I don't recall a player coming into the league and changing an entire offensive system and maybe revolutionizing the, the position and giving kids who maybe wouldn't have had a chance to play in the NFL because of their quarterbacking style. Now, suddenly, if NFL teams are going to copy what the Ravens are doing, maybe a kid who's a, more of a runner in college now has an opportunity. So I don't think Lamar Jackson was really that polished when he came out in terms of as, as a thrower, uh, but he's, he's worked on that, and he looks good. Okay. Lamar Jackson was not getting the same criticism or having the same throwing issues as my beloved Tim Tebow. Lamar Jackson has a cannon. So, you know, when we talk about the shift of the NFL, that's fine. There may be opportunities down the road where there's a bit more open-mindedness of the NFL, which sounds like an oxymoron when I say it because other, other things off of the field, nothing is changing. 
But if they happen to be more open-minded in terms of play calling and offensive schemes, then I think there's that opportunity, but the right athlete has to come out of college. And Lamar Jackson is a special athlete that was special enough to make sure that the team changed their scheme in order to use his special abilities. Not only did they change their scheme, they traded the, a Super Bowl winning quarterback just outside of his prime. Joe Flacco was a very, very good quarterback for them for a very long time. And he had one, one and a half down seasons and they pulled the plug on that. So kudos to them for really not hanging on to Flacco longer than they, they should have or could have. And making that having the foresight to say, hey, listen, we're gonna this is what we're gonna do. We're gonna just change the offense completely. Uh, you know, adios, Steve Smith Jr., adios, Anquan Bolden, adios, all the all the the Tory Smiths, uh, the the wideouts, and they just they drafted two all pro tight ends. They have Gus Edwards and Mark Ingram in the backfield, two bruising backs, uh, an all pro fullback, and a very very good, if not one of the best offensive lines in the NFL. And said, we're gonna cut the field in half. We're going to roll Mr. Jackson one side or, or the other. And if you, you know, the, all those RPOs, if you don't, if you go for the run, I'm going to pass it to the tight end. If you go for, if you cover the tight ends, I'm going to run it myself. I'm going to run it to Gus Edwards. I'm going to run it up the middle. Um, you can't, I don't think you can stop this offense. I haven't seen a team yet this year completely stop the offense. Pittsburgh did a good job of it. Uh, I think in week six, they almost beat the Ravens. It was an overtime loss, but they were only able to stop one aspect of Baltimore's offense. And they just gave up, a, they didn't give any passing yards, but Baltimore ran all over them. And if I'm not mistaken, J Jackson just broke Michael Vick's record for rushing as a, for a, for a quarterback. Yeah, that's right. Last night. So what we're seeing with Lamar Jackson is a, is a player who's changing the entire game. Um, he's changing the entire game of football at the quarterback position. And, We've seen little bits of Lamar Jackson and different quarterbacks throughout the years, like the you know Cordell Stewart's and the Tim Tebow's of the world, who I thought really should have gotten the chance in the NFL. The success he had for them to pull the plug on him so quickly was very, very upsetting to me. Yeah. I didn't make any sense. You know, it didn't make any sense to me. Tebow maybe that doesn't have the the, the blow blow away speed that uh, Lamar Jackson has, but he was he's a big kid. Yeah, he's a huge kid. Like you watch him play uh, minor league baseball, like. He's so thick. He just runs yeah. thick. He's like a bulldog almost. So, yeah, yeah he's yeah, not he's as finesse and as overall flat-out speed that Lamar Jackson has. And I, he doesn't have the cannon that Lamar Jackson has either. But anyway, whatever. You're not gonna, he, I'm not going to make this a 30-minute show if I get on about Tebow. Yeah, true, true story. He, I thought Tebow did just enough, though, with his legs and just enough with his arm to warrant an opportunity, like just to warrant a chance to, hey, I'll be your leader. I'll get, believe me, I can make a throw when you need me to make the throw. And they proved right. that. How many, how many last second, I know I'm switched this from Lamar Jackson to Tim Tebow, but how many last second throws and last second wins that season in Denver did Tebow have? Five, six? Yeah, the five or six where they were losing in the fourth quarter where, you know, when you look at the overall ski, uh, the, the overall game, you're like, ah, oh, he played okay, but it's the fourth quarter where he's like, all right, like, we got to win yeah. this. And then he would do whatever needed to be done. Exactly. Hey, Lamar Jackson. Anyway, Lamar Jackson is, is the man. He's fun to watch. Um, I think it's his success is system related. Also talent, his teammates, coaching, all the above. I think it, it's a perfect situation for him. 
And uh, you know what? I as much as I hate the Ravens as a Steeler fan, I, I'm they're fun to watch, man. Let me ask you. Last week, so two weeks ago, they they beat the the Forty ers Great team. He gets criticized, or not criticized. Tim Ryan makes those comments about uh, dark jersey, dark arm, dark football. You know that makes makes it a very de- uh, deceiving in terms of where the ball is going. Last week he plays Buffalo, white jersey, wearing white sleeves. I and, saw that. Yeah, and they win. <laughs> they they squeak out twenty four seventeen. This week, black jersey, black ball, black arms, and plays the Jets and goes forty two to whatever. You know what I mean? Like the Bills' defense isn't San Francisco's defense. They're pretty good, but anyway. I just wasn't sure if that was anything. You're pulling up 24 points as opposed to 40-plus in both those other ones. Is there something to it? I, uh, wow. I'm going to say no only because the Jets are, are completely decimated on the defensive end. And, uh, yeah, so that's – yeah. I'm going to say – I'm going to flat out say no. I, I, I don't think – I think it's just coincidence. The Jets are that bad. Okay. Um, so that's my call. I, did, I don't – there's nobody – there's nobody on the Jets that can – uh, stop the run at this point. They've traded Leonard Williams. Uh, CJ Mosley's out for the year on he's on IR. Did you see the IR list for the Jets? It's pretty. It's an all-star team on the IR, so <laughs> they're hurting. Yeah, I would Anywho. be milking injuries too if I played for the Jets. Ooh, that's that's gonna leave a mark. I'm gonna stay on that. Um, the other thing too, let's just keep in mind Lamar Jackson's 22 years old. That's that is amazing. He's 22 years old. I know. I know. Anyway. We the Steelers got to deal with this kid for the next fifteen years for crying out loud. So yeah. if he that's assuming he stays healthy, he took a huge hit yesterday. I don't know if you saw it, but he uh, he took a really big hit. And Troy Aikman said, you know, as electrifying as this guy is, if he takes any more of those kinds of hits, you know, he's just got to be careful. I think as he gets older, he's going to learn because he doesn't want to be Robert Griffin. Robert Griffin was spectacular his first year until he blew his knee out. Yeah, and he's taken his career's never hits. been the same. He's taking too many hits, but he's 22. The one thing he does well is he, he's so freaking quick to get to the perimeter that he uses that sideline as a safety net. The thing is he's got to actually go out of bounds a little bit more. That's, that's the yeah. one thing, but he can get there and use that, and he'll learn that as he goes. But um, anyway, he's fun to watch. He's, uh, you know, it's nice to see a team that I, I think the Patriots fear beyond anything. So um, yeah. that's always fun to see. All right. Uh, do you want to take All a break right. or you want to go right into the next one? Let's take You know what? Let's take a quick break so I can fill up my water and uh, we'll be right back. You got it. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. See what I'm saying. See what I'm saying. All right, we're back. And we are moving on to the next segment. You see what I'm saying? What do you got for us? <laughs> we got Michael Vick being absolutely torched on oh, yeah. social media. Uh, I, I think, generally speaking, I, I don't, I don't know if I have a really strong opinion on this, only because I don't know what's going on. And maybe you could shed some light on on are they commemorating him or he's. No. He's getting. He is, uh, he's been announced as a twenty. Tw- sorry. Yeah. So he's uh, announced as like an honorary coach for the twenty twenty Pro Bowl. I think, isn't it? Okay, so that's a that's a distinction. Is that like a cel- is a celebration of the player? 
because he's an honorary captain or whatever he is or honorary uh, coach? To a point, yeah. Like it's an honor if you're okay, okay. coaching a Pro Bowl team. You know what I mean? You so had to have been a Pro Bowl We all Bowl know his yourself. history. Yep. Yeah, for sure. We all know his history with uh, uh, being involved in dogfighting. If not directly involved, he funded the situation. He provided the space. I think he purchased the dogs, but not directly. So, you know, the money was being funneled through his account. Anyway, all that to say, he's being uh, torched is really the only way I can explain it by dog lovers on social media because they don't want him commemorated. They don't want him celebrated for his crimes. He did time in prison. Mm-hmm. I, I just don't. I just don't think this is the right guy to to be uh, the face of the NFL. And I'm just going to leave it at that. I, he's done his. Uh, I think he's done his time, but I just don't think he sh- he needs to be celebrated in this capacity, considering what he did. It was pretty egregious. Like he, you know, that's awful stuff. And dog lovers across the country and across the United States are not happy with this. And it's trickling down into Canada because on my own social social feed. Two people who I don't really talk about football really um, are just saying that they won't watch NFL football anymore uh, because of this. So the two people who don't watch football, don't follow it, are threatening not to watch football. Good for you. Good for you. It's a great stance. Um, uh, it's an interesting stance. I find it really. I find it peculiar. I'm not sure how do I how I feel about it. They they're not. I mean, I'm under, I don't know how big football fans they actually are, but to say that you know I'm I'm just going to boycott the NFL entirely, and not only do they do that, but they they started online petitions, individual petitions. So, and how many more people across the country are doing that? That's pretty wild stuff. I I didn't realize it was it was he was still um, viewed as such a villain. Yeah, you know, I uh, when I think of this and Mike Vick. I think of when I was a kid watching TV and there'd always be those commercial infomercial type things, not to sell something, but like the let's raise money and they'd have the, uh, and I remember being a kid wondering why I felt this way, but it seems to be a little bit more common than it probably should be. But they would show the commercial, you'd have the commercial of the starving children in Africa and you know they show the pic and you need to you know they need water they need clean food all that kind of stuff and you know it's it's something you pay attention to but then there would be one like the next break and it would be these uh abused pets that are at the SPCA or whatever and they're trying to raise money for these dogs and cats and uh I found myself uh sympathizing more with the the dogs and the cats than I am with the actual human being on the other side of the earth that needs this help. And I'm not a psychologist. I'm not uh, anything. So I don't know why that happens. But I feel like this is kind of in the same boat. Like, I just don't feel like these people make the same stink when it comes to, um, you know, Ray Rice knocking out his wife or, uh, um, you know, even, um, I don't know, Aaron Hernandez stuff the i mean oj is a little bit different but even then oj is uh there's a lot of jokes and stuff but i don't know it just doesn't seem to be the same level but because vic had to do with dogs i find that that's uh a soft spot for a lot it's of triggered people. now the thing with vic it's too, triggered people yeah he from my understanding so he was involved like you say it wasn't all like third party thing like apparently you know i was reading into it he apparently he did have some 
uh, stuff in terms of torturing the dogs when they was killing them and like uh, being there for the fights, all that kind of stuff. So he was very involved in it. It's also it's his it's his it was what he was his upbringing. You know what I mean? Like that's what he grew up with was with dog fighting. He didn't create this dog fighting thing. That's just what he grew up with. It's the same with you know like not the same, but what if one of the guys is running a cockfighting ring in this backyard? You know what I mean? And they're killing off these chickens if they don't fight and you know it's 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 a different culture but it's the same idea of what they're doing it's illegal 100% but I'm like it was part of his upbringing so he doesn't know any better to a point again I'm not going to say he's oblivious to it but he did serve his time um from everything I got moving forward I think he's taking steps to um to make amends with what he's done and I think he's active with some pet groups and stuff don't quote me on that but I just, I just feel like he's taking a, a worse rap because it has to do with dogs than some of the other stuff that other athletes have done in the past that have to do with humans. And I think just from a societal standpoint, I think it's it's skewed. I've kind of forgotten about the whole thing, to be blunt. Yeah. Like I, it's so long ago, and he's been a. Again, I don't want to offend anybody. He he's been a he's been a pretty good citizen since uh he did his time i just don't think he's i think the nfl could have picked better people i mean with a guy with that kind of history you know you just you just pick it's like picking alan iverson to uh, i don't know to represent i, I mean i can't i can't to even put an practice. example to it yeah to what sorry to run a practice to run, to run a practice we're talking about exactly. practice you're a great player but there's other players that can run practice i mean and now you talk about your culture and how you're raised and what you know, Allen Iverson's a great example. Like he, you know, no matter how much money you have or you've earned over the course of your career, you're going to revert back to what you know. And it's not, just because you have money doesn't mean all of a sudden you're you're worldly and educated and you know what's right from wrong. You just have a lot more money. Like, so Allen Iverson was the same guy he was when he was poor in Georgetown when he retired. And he, he stood by his guns. He was aggressive and ruthless and... Uh, you know, a warrior on the court and off the court. And that's what he knew. So, you know. Yeah. Why? What's the motivation for changing or seeing a different light if everything you know and have done has got you to this multi-million dollar status and so successful? There's no motivation to change. There's no reason to change. Yeah. Yeah. And we're, that's a whole, we're, we're talking about a whole socioeconomic situation, uh, you know, with with these guys. So I think for me, it's like, it was so long ago. I, I just think they could have picked a better representative. I don't think Michael Vick has had a had a Pro Bowl career. His second half with the Eagles, and you know he bounced around after that. I mean, he had one good year with the Eagles, and then he really tanked, and then they, you know, he, he's moved on. But what are we talking my, about here? Yeah, here's the the issue with this whole thing. Like Michael Vick, the actual uh, crime and punishment and retribution, all that kind of stuff aside, it's the NFL, the National Football League that, you know, is letting him or honoring him with that position in a Pro Bowl status based on what he's done. Yet a guy like Colin Kaepernick can't get a job in the league because of kneeling down for uh, for what he believes in. You know, I guess it's it all falls into that NFL thing where it's like, what what are you doing? Like, there's no consistency. It's completely, it seems random almost to a point, but even favors guys that do worse things. Anyway, it's uh, uh, that's the issue I have with it, with the NFL choosing him, is because you know of the precedent that they're setting 
in other situations that you say, well, how is this better than that? You know? I would love to get an NFL guy on our show to talk about exactly what you just talked about. So what great point about Kaepernick and about how random uh, the NFL is in terms of how they perceive some of these guys. It just doesn't make any sense to me at all. The fact that Lamar Hunt and Tyreek Hill are, are, you know, earning the same living they were earning, right. doing really awful things to, to other people. I have no idea. Anyway, uh, why don't we take a quick break? When we come back, we'll talk Kawhi Leonard, his return to Toronto, and then we're going to end with some rapid fire, unless there's more on your agenda, which I think there might be, but we'll take a quick break and come on back. We ain't got time for my stuff. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, And we're back. If you were watching uh, sports the other night on Wednesday night, Kawhi Leonard returned to Toronto. Mm-hmm. You happy for him? I am. You know what I mean? Like, he brought us a championship. There's, I have no hate for the guy whatsoever. Would I have liked to have had him stay in Toronto? 100%. But he's back home. He's playing in front of friends and family. He's where he wants to be. Um, you know, he's competing. The team is pretty good. He got his ring. Yeah, I'm happy for him. He looked happy yesterday, uh, at the game, too. Hey, he's, he's, he's come out and said it was super hard. Like, that was – he was close to re-signing. If that whole Paul George thing fell th- would have fallen through and, you know, Doc Rivers would have said, well, yeah, we like Paul George, but we could probably get – it would have been over. He would have re-signed with, with Toronto. So, you know, it's, unless you're in the guy's shoes, you know, he wants to, li- he wants to live and play and work back home. Yeah. How can you blame him? And he could have he could have easily said, I got traded to Toronto. I'm just going to play out this year, make sure I don't get hurt, and then go play for my hometown. Instead, the whole load management thing, sure, but he was he was legit injured, and he was injured during the finals and, and against Milwaukee. He's playing on one leg. He came out and gave all he could, and he and he put his own body at risk, knowing that he's another big contract's coming up. So, you know, I got nothing but love for Kawhi Leonard. Nothing at all. And, you know, his, the, the Clippers are uh, going to be a contender. I, do I think they're a contender if we spoke tomorrow? I don't know. I, I'm not sure. I, I think they're a little soft in the middle, but uh, in terms of their guards, they're loaded. Uh, Toronto, on the other hand, slight concerns about, in Toronto. Yeah, the Clippers are soft in the middle. So am I. So what? Good for them. <laughs> but what's the difference between if we had talked tomorrow versus today? With in terms the clip? of the Clippers being contenders, is that just metaphorical, or is there something? That, is there a game tonight that means something that I'm not aware of? Oh no, I just, I just, no, no, I, I, I meant okay. that as a like, if okay. we're, if you're asking me today versus uh, maybe by the trade deadline, I gotcha. I think they're, I think they'll go, they'll go out and get a veteran guy, maybe Demarcus Cousins, if he's still, if I know he's clearly, uh, you know, technically still a Laker, but they, they need a big guy to stretch the floor. I think they're going to get. Their guards are going to get covered like crazy. If you saw what Toronto did did to them, they doubled. Sorry, not Toronto. That was that was against the Rockets. Sorry, um, the way teams are playing um, the Clippers is they're playing perimeter heavy. So they just their best defenders are are not even bothering with rebounding because they they know that their big guys are going to be able to handle with the load. So that's going to put pressure, and they're going to need to find some shooters. So all that to say, Paul George is looking really really good. So they will be contenders. I'm slightly concerned about Toronto, though. I uh, they've lost three of their last four. 
two of them were not very close to against very good teams, mind you, but still, you got to beat the good teams. Um, At least be competitive. They lost to the Heat. They lost to the Sixers, and they lost to the Clippers. So I don't, I don't know. I, I want to. My case. I, I'm making a case to bring back Demar Derozan. I'd love to. Uh, we discussed this a little bit. I'd love to see Derozan back, depending on what we have to give up for him. I think it's, you know, he loved Toronto. Toronto loved him. I think it's only, um, I think it'd be a good fit if he came back. It only right if he if he ended up coming back to Toronto, be reunited with Lowry. I know there was talk that might have to give up Lowry for it, and that that, that doesn't work. It's kind of no. you're bringing him back for that reunion, but then also on a team who has won it, who has a bit more confidence, and now he's just kind of filling in pieces. He doesn't need to be the guy that saves. The, the franchise anymore. He just needs to be a guy that does his job, fits into the system, and produces when needed. And I think that DeRozan fits that bill. I think it's there was a bit too much maybe on his shoulders, too much pressure uh, that the, the Toronto media and, and fans were putting on him the first time that I think would not be there if he came back. And let's not forget, they almost made the finals two years while DeRozan was in town. And there's this guy that wears 23, I think for the Lakers who uh, didn't help matters. So, you know, the year that Kawhi and the Raptors broke through just also happened to be the year that LeBron James played in the West. So, it's true. you know, they made it, the, they made the conference finals against LeBron and the Cavs and they just couldn't, couldn't break that breakthrough, you know, and if it was the eighties, you only broke through when once the team got old. You know the the Pistons only broke through once the Celtics got old. Um, the Bulls only broke through once the Pistons got old. That didn't happen in Toronto. They had to wait for LeBron to get traded, not get old. So you know he comes back. He's a big guard. It's twenty points a game. So you're going to get some offense. You're going to get some defense. The city loves him. It makes sense to me. I understand the argument against it. People are like, no, no, we, we're, we've moved on from him. He doesn't play defense. He doesn't play defense. Come on. He, he does pretty, play defense. Yeah, he's 6'6". Six, six, he's a 6'6 six, six guard. He plays, he's playing against the West. Some of the best guards in the NBA play in the West. Like, of course he plays defense. Yeah, no, I uh, I agree. Bring him back if we can. I don't, don't yeah. want to give too, too much up, but um, the, the Raptors are missing something. They're playing well. I'll give them that, but they're missing something. But... They need if they get that piece. I think they they could be really dangerous. They're they're too small in the perimeter. That's what they're missing. They're too small. They can't they can't start Van Vliet and Lowry. I don't think that works for them. They're too True. they're too small and they're not Steph Curry and Clay Thompson. Like they're too small. So that's my that's they've got to make a decision. They got to bring one of those guys off the bench. And if you ask me, you're bringing Lowry off the bench. And I know it sounds it's like sacrilege to talk about that. No, it isn't. He's He's old. He's been starting the last few games, and they've lost. When Van Vliet was starting, I know he got hurt, but like they were rolling, like humming. So anyway, enough about uh, Toronto. I think we're going to end the segment. Unless you have something else, Brock, you did you have anything you want to talk about? I didn't even get a chance to see your agenda today. Um, it didn't come up on my Google Drive. My Google Drive. Unless I'm you did it on another Google Drive. I'm all over Google and Google Drives okay. and Google Photos. Because um, I, I want, I have some rapid fire questions I want to end the show with. But if you have something prior to that, let's uh, let's talk about it right now. Uh, the only one that I, I'll bring up for this one is that the Major League Baseball has adjusted their substance rules and will now treat marijuana the same as alcohol. I saw that. Thoughts on that? 
And will other Good. sporting uh, leagues follow suit? I don't know if other leagues will follow suit, but good. You know, I, I yep. don't know. You know, I think uh, it's up to the individual franchises to test the guys before the game. Like, look, hey, bud, are you high today? Because if you are, you're suspended. I need you to be sober to play the game. But what they do recreationally and outside of the outside of baseball or uh, like outside of the field, I don't know. Why not? It's legal. Well, let's uh, baseball, Major League Baseball. There is. Uh, I got to figure out what I was reading, but there's uh, beer and stuff prevalent in these dugouts that doesn't necessarily only get consumed post game and all that kind of stuff too. Like it's a, so anyway, yada, yada, it's a team thing. I don't want to get into that, but the beers and stuff around the major league baseball locker room are, are, is prevalent. So whether or not guys are having one before they go out, it it would really, uh, I guess, yeah, we have to be policed internally by each individual organization and team. But, uh, that's not to say that guys aren't drinking or something around the time that they play. Anyway, that being well, said, and be- beer affects performance, I think, in a different way, maybe than than marijuana does. But I, I don't know. I've never I've never gone out and played a sport drunk or high. Uh, I don't know if it would affect my abilities. You know, I've had a few I've had a few pints before playing baseball. But you know, in fact, I actually played better <laughs> after a couple of pints. You right? can ask my teammates. You know, I actually hit home runs when I've had a couple pints. And when I'm stone cold sober, I struggle. I grip the bat a little tighter. My muscles are tighter. I don't know if there's anything to that. Um, you know, hey. looser grip, maybe. I have no idea. Yeah. Anyway. You don't, you don't, the pressure doesn't get to you as much if you have a little bit sometimes. You know, it just you know, loosens you up. Anyway. There's got to be a point of no return if you're, if you're plastered and you could barely walk a tight rope, then I get it. But, you know, if, I don't know what the effects of uh, a joint or, uh, you know, two pints versus 20. Uh, well, I don't know your, the difference either from like for testing, if like CBD oil, like that kind of stuff where it doesn't have the hallucinogenic part of it, hallucinogenic part of it in there, will it still get tested? And if it was, and it was a banned thing, and now somebody can have CBD, take some of that for their aches and pains before they go play, it's not affecting their cognitive response, but it was something that previously would have been banned. So, Anyway, it'll there's be interesting a to see lot of research. Works. Yep. A lot of research on CBD oil and the benefits of it. Just saying. All right. I think right. That's, uh, that's it for uh, that section. Oh. That means the section's <laughs> that, over. The whistle? What was that for? That was for a three minute. I uh, don't oh, know. We got three minutes. We're going into it, right? Let's do it. We're rapid fire, four go. minute break, four minute. Uh, I mean, no, we're let's at do now. it. Uh, okay. Uh, I got seven questions for you, Brock. Uh, all right. I'll, quickly chime in on my own answer for each one, but we won't spend too much time on them. Um, number one, the J sign Tanner Rourke, not pronounced Rourke. Apparently it's Rourke. All right. Which I found peculiar. Uh, what else do they need? Uh, they they're need, not done spending. They can't so. be done spending. They no. need another starting pitcher of some sort. Um, you know, whether that's like a guy, I mean like a Madison Baumgartner, like a big lefty like that. He's a little intense. I think I, I would like to see a guy like that in Toronto. Uh, Dallas Keuchel's also available uh, that I thought would be interesting, although I don't know if Toronto can handle uh, a Van Vliet doppelganger. But uh, <laughs> between the two of those guys, you know, if we got somebody, uh, just a real high-quality arm in the starting rotation, I think would be 
uh, one of the top things on the Blue Jays to get list. I have to agree. Right now they're rolling with uh, with a Roark, Chase Anderson, who they picked up from the Brewers, I believe. Um, Trent Thornton from last year. Mm. Uh, Brian Barucki, depending on if he's healthy. Uh, so there's some there's some players out there. They need another starting pitcher, absolutely another another high end top end guy. Yeah. They've missed out on a couple of guys. I think the names that you mentioned are, are guys that are still on their radar. Rick Porcello just signed somewhere, so he's off the charts. Um, anyway, we'll see what they do. I do. They need a center fielder. Uh, I'm not sold on Teoscar Hernandez, so they need to really look hard. Well, the there's some names that are being end. bandied about. Who's the guy that played at the end of the season? At center field. Teoscar. No. Jonathan Davis? Yeah. He's fast. Yeah, he's very fast. Uh, well, we'll see what their hitting coaches get in the offseason, but his defense is really good. I thought he covered a lot of ground. His glove was pretty decent. They need uh, to surround the studs with some veterans. So come on, Atkins, uh, which leads to my next question. Do you have any confidence in Atkins and Shapiro to, to get a veteran guy in there, someone who can make a difference? Um. I do, but I also know that it's not going to come with a high price tag. Uh, I don't think these guys are, they're not notoriously famous for spending a lot of money to begin with. And I think the only chance they're going to do that and pull trigger on big contracts is going to be if they're, they feel that they're ready to make that push. And I don't think they're going to feel that after just the one season. So I think this year we're going to see, like, those two pitchers I mentioned are not going to be in a Blue Jay uniform. Uh, they'll be looking for free agents that are further down that list that are a bit more um, of a value. Matt Shoemaker style? Yeah. You know, yeah, somebody I'm like that. Matt Shoemaker. That, uh, that can come in that isn't going to cost us an arm and a leg, but uh, can at least keep us moving forward. But I don't see them. This isn't a year they're going to be pushing for the uh, the, the playoffs in the World Series run. I think this is just they got to take another step forward. So we'll see how that yep. goes. Some young guys, you know, that they can get for a few years that hopefully, you know, continue to improve. Those are the kind of guys we're going to see. So, but so far, like I can't really knock them, you know, for okay. everything they did. Keeping, you know, all the the guys that we see today are guys that when we're looking for those big signees would probably be on a different team right now because they'd be part of that package, and we wouldn't really know until later saying, oh, as if we gave up this guy. To, to get a vet and the fact that we've kept them and these are guys that'll be around for a while is, is kind of exciting. The jury's out for me on those two guys. I'm going to give them another one more year and see how they finish up this year in terms of the free agents, uh, free agency market, who they bring in in the next two weeks. And then I'll, uh, I'll reserve my judgment for then, but I like what they've done so far. And uh, Matt Shoemaker's coming off bad injury. And I do like Tyler. I, I, I've been on Tanner Roark for a couple of weeks. I, lo- I like the kid. He's an innings eater. He's uh, he's R.A. Dickey without the knuckleball. So you know, he's got, he can eat up innings, and that's what they need. Anyway, yay or nay, reunion with Encarnacion. You know, I was looking at all these, and uh, I started looking. I'm like, Donaldson's on the market, too. I'm like, bring them all back in. If we can get a decent price for them. I mean, Encarnacion... Still has the bat, still has... Still has the bat, man. 34 dingers and 100 RBIs on three teams last year. And the last team, the first team he started off was in Seattle, and it's a huge stadium. So, come on. I mean, he's 36, but he's still got a couple years left in, especially if he's only DHing. So, I say yes. I mean, you know, hopefully it's, again, it's the price has got to be right, but I say yes for bringing him back. 
Oh, bring him back. Bring him back. I'm done with Smoke. I like Smoke, a good character guy, Gold Glover, but his bat's too hot and cold. And bring in Canesion back. Yay or nay, reunion with J.A. Happ. Again, if the price is right, bring him back. He was yep. a quality lefty. Uh, what are his stats? He went 12 and 8. He was a 491 ERA uh, with 30 starts. Yeah, you hey. bring him back. Hey, he attributes all the success to Pete Walker, who's the pitching coach for the for the Blue Jays. So that makes a that one makes a lot of sense. If you throw in Hap with Chase Anderson and Roark and Matt Shoemaker and one of your young guys like Trent Thornton can step up, that's not a bad rotation. I gotta tell you, yep. um, Subban's on the block. Good fit for the Leafs. Um, I was gonna say Donaldson is a free agent. Bring Donaldson <laughs> back in. You third like Donaldson? Base. Eh? <laughs> throw Vladdy back uh, over at first. And then let's uh, let's roll this. Vladdy can play first, man. Donaldson's bitter. He's not going back to Toronto. Probably not. No. Um, Subban. Subban. On no. the block? Yeah, not... Uh, the fact he's on the block is not a good sign for the Devils. But uh, no, I don't think he's a good fit in Toronto. Um, I like the kid. I just don't think... Uh, and he'd fit well with the media and stuff in Toronto. That's fine. But from a hockey standpoint... He's, um, they need a more of a stay home, really defensive focused defenseman um, that can solidify that blue line. And Subban isn't that guy. Interesting. I think he's a perfect fit. Well, you're wrong. That's, I guess. Another so. puck moving defenseman. They got Jake Muzzin. <laughs> they, got, uh, they got the kid Barry from Toronto. I mean, I don't know. Perfect fit for me. I yeah. think he's a perfect fit. And, and the Devils are last place. So he's right there. They, I mean, they might be able to deal him for on the cheap. I can't believe the Devils are last place, to be honest. They're loaded. I have no idea. I thought they were going to contend. I, lo- I thought they were going to oh, be yeah. a top-four team in the, in the East. Because they were all right last year, and then they added uh, Hughes as a first pick. And so, yeah. and they just kind of like, okay, these guys are going to – and Subban, you think they're going to be – Subban's a, a big price tag too, right? So Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. I'd like – I don't know. For me, what, what I see him on, on the Leafs doing is just being – being that puck moving defenseman, being that a big hitter on the back end, I, I I don't know if it's his attitude that that he wears out his welcome in places. I don't know. He for me he comes across like a a great guy, but so did Mike Babcock. Anyway, best college player of all time, best college football player of all time. My argument would be for Tim Tebow. Um, you know, so how, what's your what's your criteria? Like championships, championships, uh, domination. Uh, effect on the game so you know from a like Bo Jackson is up there Herschel Walker is up there they're also running back so on a non-running play they don't touch the ball so Tebow touches the ball every single time the you know a growth in the um, explosion of the spread style offense River Meyer and the fast pace and getting the ball to you know in so many different ways I think just added to um, to his success and how impressive it was that a kid of you know college age is picking this up so quickly and and just fine tuning everything. He he throws a decent ball, especially a deep ball. Uh, but when you needed what, a yard, two yards, okay, the old Miss game aside, which was right prior to his "I promise" speech. Um, but he's the guy you give the ball to and he, you know, rallies yep. everybody around. So as good as you know, Jackson and Herschel Walker and those guys, I think Tebow's outspokenness and ability to uh, rally the team, especially the team he was trying to 
keep together. I'm dying for an ESPN 30 for 30 on a 2006 to 8 Florida Gators because the characters are on that team and like the the issues that would have arisen had it been in a different team and didn't have a guy like Tebow to bring and keep everybody together, um, they never would have had that success. So I think that's all that encompassing is why I give it to Tebow and I'm a Florida Gator fan. So, you know. Okay. Doug Flutie. Last question. <laughs> <laughs> Last question, just a real quick. Uh, do you like the NFL scheduling games on uh, Saturdays? Because uh, there's a triple header coming up. Not this Saturday, but moving on. I think there's a, the games are no longer on Thursdays. They're going to be they're going to end the season the last two weeks with games on Saturdays. Do you like that ending the Thursday night games too? Uh, yeah, I, I never was a fan of the Thursday night games anyway. Uh, but the Saturday games are happening because now college football has taken their hiatus until the bowl the bowl games right. anyway. So that's why you have the Saturdays. I always prefer watching things on Saturdays anyway, especially if it's a something you want to get excited for because then you don't have to work the next day. Um, yeah. But I was never a fan of the Thursday night games, regardless. It should be the Sunday, a Monday night, that's it. The Thursday, lose them. That's I'm with thing. you 100%. Lose the Thursdays altogether. Keep your Sunday day, Sunday night, and keep your Monday nighter because it's that's just tradition. Right. And uh, that's enough for me. But Booger McFarland's got to go Monday night. The Monday night panel, the, the, the prime guy is good. Booger McFarland's really hard to listen to. He's kind of all over the place. One play, he'll he'll call somebody the best player in the league, and then the next play, he'll criticize him and say, hey, he needs to improve. He just called him the best player in the league. What are you doing? Anyway, uh, that's... That's our uh, rapid fire segment, and that puts a cap on our show. I'll let you. Oh, that's the end whistle there. The end whistle. Brock, uh, any any parting words for us before we uh, sign off? No. Um, remember to like, subscribe, share our uh, our podcast. Obviously, uh, the more people that listen, the the better for us. And, and again, contribute. Uh, whether it's a Facebook page, leave us a voicemail. We're still trying to decide what the best voicemail is, so there's still a couple weeks left before we uh, uh, give out those T-shirts. Um, if you're looking for shirts, again, hit up uh, Pierre and myself, and uh, we'll get those to you. That being said, we're going to go out to uh, a little classic. So back when I was at Colgate, uh, I would drive home late, like very late on, like if it wasn't football season, I'd come back Thursday night because I didn't have courses on Friday. And it was a long drive, and you're tired. What kept me going was uh, Garth Brooks' Greatest Hits. I would throw that CD in. It was a 1989 GMC Safari van that had a stereo system that was worth more than the van itself. And uh, I would just be listening to that all the way up to 81, all the way home, and uh, blaring the lyrics and singing them away. And we're going out to uh, Rodeo by Garth Brooks that came up on a documentary I just saw Garth Brooks and how... Uh, how awesome he was L Love it And this is just, it's like sports Any sport, doesn't have to be rodeo This is every woman who has a man Or knows somebody who's in love with sports This is a song We always choose sports Good choice Well it ain't no woman Flesh and blood It's that damn no rodeo It's the roar of a Sunday crowd It's the white in his knuckles The gold in the buckle He'll win the next go-round It's boots and shafts It's cowboy hats It's spurs and let it go It's the ropes and the reins And the joy and the pain And they call the thing a rodeo So good 